I wish my parents would have been more mindful of who they were and become more at peace because my dad, I mean, that ultimately is what killed him is that he lived in the past and in the future. And when you don't live in the current moment, that's where you, that's where sickness derives from. You become obsessed with what happened or you become obsessed with, with what you think should happen. And what happens in the middle is you're fucking miserable. So that to me is my focus. So when I look at my parents, um, it's not what I wish they would have taught me. It's what I wish they knew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. I'm going to make this the quickest intro ever. Today, my guest is my friend, great business guy, family guy. I, 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 I love what this guy is doing in life and in business, Sergio Altamari. He is a plethora of information, an incredible model of a man on purpose, a businessman on purpose, a husband, a father. You guys are going to love this episode. It's long and it is packed. And I'll tell you right now, at the end, he's going to talk about him and his wife as business partners and obviously a married couple and parents, just like Meredith and I. And I love his take on things, how to, how to help each other, how to push each other. Other things we're going to talk about are like ADD, working hard, um, the type of childhood traumas we have, and so much more. You want more? Look in the show, look in the show notes. It's right there. Anyway, Sergio owns a company called Hearthfire. Hearthfire is investments, capital. He's even got RVs and recreation. He's doing amazing things. I want to keep this intro short. So remember, if you want to join our free community, I suggest you do. There's free stuff. There's giveaways. There's all kinds of bonuses and value in there. It's the Mental Purpose community on Facebook. Now, here's Sergio. Here's the episode. Enjoy. Quickest one ever. Sergio, it's going to be fun, man. You ready? What's up, brother? <laughs> Excited to be here, man. This is this is this is good stuff. I know we're going to be talking about a lot, and and but the main topic isn't money and business, which I love. The rest of life. Yeah, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about enjoying life now, and and my friend Jamie Gruber, you know Jamie Gruber, Jamie and I talk about we run in we run in these circles where it's all about the future building wealth, longevity, passive income for the future, the future, the future. But what about your life now? And before you, we really get deep into that, I want to talk about how you've gotten to not only where you are today, I really want to talk about how you've gotten to who you are today. Because you're a pretty transformed guy. You know, I've always appreciated yeah. that about you. And I've watched your transformation over the last couple of years. And so... um yeah, dude, let's just start there. Let's start with like, what's your story? What, how, how do people know that you're not just some anomaly that just is, it just got lucky and they could never do it like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, that's, that's a really good and, and, and deep question. Uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as, um, I, I, I'm a continuous learner and I continuously self evaluate. And what I would say is I'm probably, at a minimum on the third or fourth incarnation of myself. And, and what I mean by that is that when I look back at my past and, and who I was growing up, in many cases, I can't relate to that individual, right? Because I have had different experiences. I've pushed myself out of comfort zones. I've forced myself to 
explore myself, my, my inner feelings, my emotions, my past, my scars, my, you know, the tragedies and, and try to learn from that. And, and I've learned of, through the course of my life that, and, and through the course of uh, evaluating my parents, specifically my dad, my dad, you know, he, he passed away a bunch of years ago now, but my father was, he was bipolar, um, lots of mental health issues. And, and, and I, um, I'm, I'm very fearful and mindful that part of that, whether it be neurological, whether it be genes or whatever runs through me. So I'm, it, it, it's put me on a path of being obsessed with evaluating who I am and, and how I'm feeling. So in doing that, it's always a continuous process of self-evaluation and knowing that most people live in the past or the future, I'm always trying to bring my past and my future to the present. And so as I'm thinking through day to day, it's always about how am I feeling right now? What am I thinking? What am I doing and and in trying to target something in the future, whether it's business related, family related, is what parts of that future, what parts of that past am I living now? And how do I become mm-hmm. ever present? Because if you study the most peaceful individuals on the planet, they're generally kind of Buddhist monks and, and individuals, you know, priests and whatever that are focused on being present in, in their current body and their current thought process, emotions and that kind of thing. So for me, you know, as a kid, um, I grew up in, in Philly, uh, moved to Italy when I was six years old. Uh, my, my father and my mother and father both immigrated from Italy. My father was a tailor. My mother was a seamstress. Uh, my father always had this obsession where he wanted this, his ideal life was to make a bunch of money in the States and then move back to Italy. And, and he did, he, he uprooted our family. I was six years old. We moved to Italy, lived there for two years. It was certainly a, um, it made an impression, a lasting impression on me. I think about it regularly. Um, you know, as a, as a kid, I didn't move there as a quote unquote visitor or a tourist. So I didn't really get to experience Italy as most people kind of pictured. I lived in a little tiny village. People walked around with, you know, baskets on their head and barefoot and all that, you know, and then we eventually moved back to the States. Um, I did first and second grade in Italy. So that was an experience there. We moved back to the States. Um, you know, moved back in essentially the same neighborhood that I grew up in. I went to Philly public schools, which, uh, you know, compared to the way things are nowadays, it's like I went to Harvard, but they weren't, I didn't get a great education or anything like that. I didn't really apply myself in school. I now realize that it was more that my mind and, and my brain was more advanced than I was an idiot. I thought that I was just, you know, uninterested. Um, went through high school there. I, I was smart enough to, to learn how to beat the system. Um, I got a job working for the federal reserve. I, I did that for 22 years. Was that always uh, your, through all that? was that your, yeah. like, obviously your views on school now and, and back then are completely different. And we, we probably share the same views. What was that just the was that really you or was that you just going, Oh, this is what you're supposed to do. You just got to get through the, you know, get the job, get the safe job with the government. I'll just kind of work this thing for a while. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know any better, right? I mean, I come from two hardworking parents. I, I right. you know, the big thing for me was just, just work hard. But when it came to school and education, I didn't have like, I didn't grow up with this grand vision of being a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that. I, I you know, my parents were busy working and providing. So I, I didn't have the father that was having those conversations at dinner. What do you want to do when you grow up? I mean, I just knew that I needed to, to work. And yeah. so I didn't really have a, you know, when I was in school, I didn't really have a, a, a personal purpose there. I knew that I had to do it. So it's probably yeah. more of this is what you're supposed to do. And then when I got a job, I worked in a professional environment. I had some, some, some uh, jobs earlier when I was, you know, I've been working since I was like 14. I worked in a pizza shop. I worked as a paper boy. I worked at a little retail store. And it was just something to do to make a couple bucks to, you know, go yeah. drink beer and, you know, and eventually, you know, smoke some pot. And, you know, that was that was the path that I was on. And then when I got a job in a professional environment around educated people, and I was exposed to situations that required a different level of thinking, I said, oh, maybe I'm not an idiot after all. And so then eventually I got into IT and technology and started pulling apart computers and rebuilding them. And that was my calling, right? Now I realize that um, if, I was, if I was born probably within the last 10, 15 years, I'd probably be highly medicated on ADD medicine or, or, or something yeah. like that. And, yeah. and I realized that it's not a, um, you know, it's not a sign of an actual disorder but it's it's the reality is that my brain doesn't operate the same way that a lot of people does. And there was this book that actually I read recently over the last year called Faster Than Normal. Um, it was when yeah, I, I just that. started to realize too. that. What's that? It's a podcast. Is it? Too. I, I didn't. I, 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 think yeah. I know. I think I know that. Yeah, I forgot who the author is. It's it's Great on one podcast. of those bookshelves back there. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I realized that. I, you know, I started to say, well, maybe I do, maybe there's something to this ADHD or ADD thing. And I started to read into it. And, you know, I was like, you know what, that's like more of what it is, is that my brain just operates on a different wavelength. And it's like, all right, so how do I, how do I embrace it? How do I make sure that I can control it and it doesn't control me? So, so that's been my quest ever since, um, you know, I, I eventually got into investing in real estate. I'm a voracious a voracious reader, learner. Um, I'm obsessed with learning. That's probably the biggest gift. And I'm really good at navigating and doing research. Yeah. So you give me a topic and, you know, if I, if I decide I want to, you know, get into, you know, boating or whatever, I will eat up as much as possible and learn everything there is to learn about it. And that's just the way that I am. And so I've done that in real estate. And now I'm doing that in business and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My wife, I always say to her, like, we're going on these trips and she's like, I'm like, don't you want to help plan? She goes, no, I just know like how, how like involved you get. And like, you want to make sure that you don't leave that trip going, shit, I wish I would have researched a little bit to go do that thing or this thing or take my kids here. All right. All right. So it's just interesting. Even when we were moving to LA, I just did so much research and I built this spreadsheet on like, cool things we wanted to do areas we wanted to live in schools that we wanted to potentially send our daughter to. And I like that stuff yet spreadsheets in general. No, 
research paperwork. No, no, no. I don't, I don't, I don't get into that stuff. But I want to go back for a second and ask you something. You said something about like the, the dinner table and like there wasn't conversation around what do you want to do? What do you want to be? It's that, that more of an immigrant mentality. And I come from a Italian immigrant family, a Sicilian immigrant family where it was a little bit more advanced yet. It was just like, I wanted to always work with my dad at his shipping company. I just, that's always what I wanted to do. I feel like I, I learned through my growth and development as a coach. And as I've worked myself through a lot of my personal challenges and overcome them that I wanted to be in business with my dad because I really didn't have as much confidence in myself that I could ever do what he did in business. I never right. thought I would be as good. And I think that's one of the reasons why I joined him in business, to be honest. And he always said to me, like, if you want to join me, that's fine. And if you don't, you want to do anything else. It's totally fine. I'm cool with it. Like, I don't want you to feel obligated yet. What do you wish? Cause I want to, I want to say this, like someone, the audience to pick up. What do you wish your dad would have asked you at the, at the dinner table? If you're open to asking or to answering that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say because I I'm still, I'm still in a, in a quest and I don't know that I'll ever, ever, it'll ever be solved, uh, trying to discover myself. Uh, you know, there's parts of me that say, you know, I wish my father, you know, did something as simple as tell me, you know, he loved me or, or just ask me, how was my day or have a catch or read a book with me. But there's, there's a part of me that, you know, it, it kind of, the fact that all that didn't happen is, is probably a big reason why I am who I am, right? Why I became obsessed with, with being mindful, why, why I became obsessed with, um, you know, just, just working hard. Now I'm working smart, not hard. Yeah. It's, it's a different work ethic. Um, I'm, I'm extremely dedicated. My father was loyal. My father was, was dedicated to his family. So there's, there's, I don't believe in being able to change the past. Sure. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I look at how I am with my daughter. Now I have a, my little girl just turned five and, and I like to think that I'm probably the opposite. I'm showering her with love and affection and, yeah. and a lot of the things that I, I think I wish I had, um, but it's too early to say, I mean, when she's 20, whatever, you know, it's, I'll, I'll see what she's like then. I mean, yeah. I think she's the perfect child right now, but my, my, in, in some cases, in a big way, I just, I, I attribute her and her, the way that she is as my wife and I not being in her way. Right. And yeah. my parents weren't, I don't want to say they never denied us of everything. Right. I didn't, I didn't partake in all the, you know, I wasn't in soccer leagues, baseball leagues. Eventually I did some of that, but I didn't, I wasn't forced in a direction. So I think that that was a good thing. Right. The fact that my, my parents did not keep us, yeah. my sisters and I, from doing anything. That kind of gave me the ability to 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 find my own way, and I found my own way in in technology and computers. My father was a brilliant tailor, right? I still have uh, the majority of my suits. He made he made me suits, and I didn't ask for it, but he always wanted me to dress, be you know, be dressed nice. And now, when I look back on it. And I share it with people that know better. He was a brilliant tailor. I mean, he was probably arguably yeah. one of the best, not just in the country, probably in the world. 
And so I look at that aspect of it and, um, you know, and I, I don't know, I, I, you know, if I had a son, I might be able to understand what that father son relationship should look like from a son perspective. I went through my ups and downs with it. Um, I wrote, was really resentful of my father in my twenties, uh, when my father really became sick and I realized it was unfair of my sisters to take care of him that I, I got more on board with it and taking him to doctor's visits. And, you know, ultimately I came to peace that my lack of a relation, a, a, a hallmark channel relationship with my dad was more of an indication of the struggles that he went through with his upbringing and not a reflection of me. I became more at peace with it. Yeah. That's a long winded way of me saying, I no. don't know what that conversation was. <laughs> I know you said it. You, you definitely said it in there. What um, shit? No, I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, how did you get how did you break through that? That resentment, that anger, that regret, that whatever you were feeling with with around the time of when his when your sisters were taking care of him. How did you break through that? Because I think that they're one of the things the audience is going to yeah. really understand is regret and resentment and anger towards your parents for something, whether they love you too much or they didn't love you enough or they beat your ass or they showered you with PlayStations and teddy bears. Regardless, that's, there's going to be something in there that you didn't like that you didn't need because I think, I think, I think one of the most dangerous things that parents do is they don't understand that their children are not them. They're part of them. They have uh, attributes like them. They kind of look like them and, maybe part of their personalities like them. I think our job as a parent is to actually find out who this person really is and then support that person. So before you answer this question, I want to go back for a second. The, the thing you said was like, play ball, like, tell me you love me. Tell me you're proud of me. Those are things that I think about too. One of the things I realized in my growth and transformation was like, my dad did all that stuff with me yet my parents never helped me understand, uh, and this, I don't fault them for this. I was angry at them for a while. I just didn't know what I was angry about. I, I just wish they would have asked me more questions about me to help me know and understand me, especially the feelings and emotions that I was going through as a only child trapped in these fucking public schools, then a, then a, a hardcore Catholic high school, which look, I'm not knocking my high school. I think it was great taught me a lot. I had some wonderful mentors. Overall experience, two out of a hundred. However, I didn't like school. So I was just naturally defiant day one. What I would have loved, and I I dropped this uh, this question down in in our uh, mental purpose community today. What do you wish your parents would have taught you? I wish my parents would have taught me how to understand me. And then I would have not been so scared and feeling like they couldn't protect me from me. And the outside world. So yeah. now it's like a double whammy. And I can't go to them because they don't know who they are and they don't know their feelings and emotions. So I feel really alone. As an only child, especially, I felt really alone and angry. Yeah, I would say for me, I, I would change that question, right? And and what I really wish, and this is based on a lot of the work that I've done myself. I wished my parents knew themselves, right? Yeah. And and the reason why I say that is that in my quest, in, in my 
uh, work to be mindful and present. I would say 99% of society globally, with the exception of probably the most mindful people are probably the most, um, the, the, the people that live in the most unsocialized areas, right? So yeah. you're not, you know, as, as we've gotten through time, whether it be technology or whatever, we're becoming more and more distant from who we are as individuals. There's no self-awareness, right? And that's, that's, that's imposed upon in society. Like now you shoulder surf, whether you're on a plane or in public, or just stuff, you watch people on their phone all the time. What are they doing? They're swiping, they're tapping, they're, they're liking, they're doing a bunch of shit that's so far removed from them as mm-hmm. individuals, right? And that has happened over time, right? That's happened over a long period of time. Like I like to study history, right? And, and they always say, if you don't study history, you're bound to repeat it, right? And whatever the hell that saying is, right? Yeah, you yeah. look at through time, through through time, you know, my parents, my parents were born in 1936 and 1943. So I try to picture what it was like then. I mean, they went through, you know, World War II. They went through, uh, you know, immigrated or whatever. So they were in a constant state of trying to get to some sense of stability, right? And so when they had kids, it was something you were supposed to do. You didn't just have kids, you know, at some point uh, in history, people had a lot more kids because they basically needed help, right? You had kids, they help around the house, they farm, they do this, they do that, right? Now, what do we have? We have two or three kids just because you can't afford to have any more, right? But back then, those kids became employees, if you will, right? So they they became workers, they, they became workers early on. So I would say, I wish my parents would have been more mindful of who they were and become more at peace because my dad, I mean, that ultimately is what killed him is that he lived in the past and in the future. And when you don't live in the current moment, that's where you, that's where sickness derives from. You become obsessed with what happened or you become obsessed with, with what you think should happen. And what happens in the middle is you're fucking miserable, right? Yeah. So that to me is my quest now is always, like I said earlier, is learning from my past, keeping keeping those good, bad emotions understood and, and close to me, more emphasizing on the good emotions. And when it comes to the future, bringing understanding what I'm achieving um, now. I, I just re- recently started reading The Gap and the Gain, right? And if you yeah. ever read that one, it's 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 all about what are you living on? What are you missing or what do you actually have? So yeah. that to me is my focus. So when I look at my parents, um, it's not what I wish they would have taught me. It's what I wish they knew is is really what would have been. And that's what I try to do with my daughter is, is instill mindfulness, being present. Let's enjoy what we are doing. Let's enjoy the food. Let's, let's some of the things that drive me nuts is that we're, you know, now we're eating food in front of a TV. Well, you're not paying attention to food, right? You're not paying attention to what you're tasting, your senses. So it's, it's, um, you know, that's the conundrum. I mean, how important, there's so much I want to dig into there. How important is being present to you as a business owner. And then let's take this also to your other comment about living in the past or the future. One of the things that, I mean, we coach a lot of people every year and we do personal development coaching and we do business consulting. And and we know for a fact that the business grows to the extent that you do. That's the only way. 
or you're just grinding and hustling and muscling it out. And we've all been there and it's miserable and we feel great about it because that's what we're taught, especially as men and we're providers for our family. So, oh, this is great. Like I'm supposed to be doing this yet. We're miserable inside and we don't know how to get off that wheel. So we're worried about the future. We're pissed off about the past. And so our present moment is a mix of the two, which is not based in reality. There's no basis in reality there because one has already happened and one hasn't happened and your whole brain, everything's processing like this. And then you go, oh yeah, uh, I'm going to make a move based on this. And that, that move is literally yeah. chasing ghosts. Crazy. So yeah. how, how important has being, how important has, is being present in your personal and professional life? So, so I am a firm believer in, um, in the law of attraction and manifesting, right? And, and I look at as we are through my meditation practice, through being mindful, what I'm actually, what I, what I'm doing is controlling my vibration and, and the energy sphere around me. Right. And to me, by dialing it to the right frequencies, I am attracting what I want most in life. And when it comes to business, there, I'm naturally bringing closer the people that I want to be part of my team. And in our world, whether it's investors, whether it's owners, whether it's clients, whatever the case may be, I'm bringing those types of people closer and the negative forces away. And it's about creating a, a culture that is anchored into my core beliefs. My core beliefs are providing value, being having high integrity, being loyal and providing, being a giver first and foremost. So through yeah. meditation, being mindful, that's the aura that I'm creating. And as I, I really believe that as I'm walking down the street, I'm drawing what's good to me on a regular basis. And so yeah. when I always find that if I wake up with a negative energy and I don't do something to t- change that, every email, everything that happens starts to spiral downward, right? And so it's, it's, it's how do you maintain that right frequency? It's not going to be 100%. It never is. That's why they call it yeah. meditation yeah. practice, right? It, it's, 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 yeah. it's a practice. And so it's how do I continue to, to operate at that higher level frequency more often as, as much as possible. And what I find is like magic. You know, I tell people all the time and a lot of people think I'm nuts, but in reality, it's, it's, it's proven. It's scientifically proven. Like I can't tell you how yeah. I'm seeing you on a flipping screen right now. You're on the other side of the country, right? I mean, I'm a tech guy, so I can tell you what happens in terms yeah. of ones and zeros. But if you can understand, yeah. if you can just, you can see that your phone working, phone works. You can see that the TV works. So what makes you think that, why wouldn't you believe that we're an energy being and that we can attract the right thing? If you're just watching all kinds of toxic shit on TV, what do you think your frequency is, right? So yeah. so it's continuing it's to tweak that. And for me, business and, and, and the people that I'm around, um, you know, I was brought connected to, think, you know, GoBundance, connected to guys like you. And the reason why we're talking now is like, I'm getting your podcast, I'm listening to it. I'm like... 
this is good shit, man. This is this is what Thanks, nourishes man. my soul. This is what gives me. I was tired as shit earlier, and you know, a cup <laughs> of coffee and talking to you, and I'm wired again. You know. Yeah, cranked up, dude. So it, it's interesting because, like, this morning, I, see, I believe in all. I, I believe in exactly what you're talking about. I think the majority of people have been, you know, they they have uh, they have other things like religion. So there's, you know, there's, yeah, there's different absolutely. religions and, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's whatever you you choose. And I think that they have trouble with the energy piece. Like when I say to somebody, here's my, here's, here's my three words every day. I wake up and I immediately am in gratitude. I'm alive. I can see, I can stand, I can feel, I can speak. Like I'm all, I'm, I'm going through gratitude for shit that everybody takes for granted every day. Most yeah. people, so not everybody, most people take for granted. And like this morning, I did a, a two hour meditation practice and I'm getting so good that like I was hallucinating this morning a little bit. Like I was seeing tracers and some weird shit going on. And I was like, oh, my God, I think I found it. I think I got it. And I was so excited And I did breath work this morning. And, and you're right. Like you must change that frequency and that energy. It's on you. The more you complain yeah. Or just kind of like rudderlessly go through life or your sales are down and you're just like, ah, fuck it, same old, same old, you know, like that yeah. is not going to work for you. I can tell you right now that part of our program, it's a four part program that we call the purpose driven formula. And one of those parts is illumination or become aware. And the second part, which we feel is the most important part and what sets us apart from a lot of other coaching programs is we're more about elimination of the shit that's not serving and doesn't work for you anymore. Like the mindset and thought processes and behaviors and attitudes that don't work for you anymore. And, and, and calibrating in ones that do. And so when people say to me like, well, how do you, you know, how, how do you have the freedom to go to take your kids to the beach every day and then, uh, and then run like four businesses and you got, you know, this thing down here and this thing over here and you got men on purpose and you got the podcast and they go, mm -hmm. it's because too many people worry about financial freedom, thinking that they will bring internal freedom and it won't. Yeah. And it's fucking guaranteed. It won't. I tell guys all the time who call me and go, Hey man, can you help me make more money? I go, what do you want to make more money for? I, I, I want to get out of this crazy cycle I'm in in life. And I go, cool. Not going to happen. All you're going to have with financial freedom is more time to be tortured and more opportunities to suffer inside of your own self. That's it. Yeah. You're in charge. If you, if you don't you're use, so it's the, 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 the money and the wealth is a tool, right? It's, and, yeah. and, yeah. you know, and to me, um, I don't wake up saying, how do I make more money? Right. Yeah. I, I, I wake up saying, how do I make an impact? How do I, tweak my processes and how do I get more personal freedom to do what I want to do on a regular basis? And, and I don't look at what I do as work. I'm very, I, I, I study through my mindfulness practice. I study what am I drawn to, right? What do I want to do? And in many cases, if most people did that, they realize they don't want to do shit, right? They're, I'm not saying everybody, but when you're doing something mindless on your phone and you're paying, I don't know what the, popular games as bubble this or bubble that you're wasting time, right? We only get a certain number of you know days on this earth, right? So let's use them to enjoy what we have. And whether you are religious or not, 
the objective is all the same is to be present, enjoy what we have, what we're, you know, the, the, the blessings that we have. I mean, it's whether it's grass, trees, air, you know, utilize all of your senses. That is, that is the objective. And to me, um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's what I wake up thinking about every, every day. And how do I be present for my family? And, um, you know, that, you know, I'd be lying to say that there's not a thought about the future and whatever, but to me, it's, it's a, it's, it's dialing my frequency to feel me being able to provide a greater impact, right? I'm, I love the impact. It's kind of like when you give somebody a rose and you put a big or a present, you give them a big smile on their face. That feels good, right? And so yeah. how do you continue to just recreate that feeling, right? It's about the feeling. Yeah. It's not about what you look like. Um, I was at uh, I was at a self-storage association conference a couple, uh, two weeks ago. And Liz, uh, I forgot what her name is, said, made a bunch of money in self-storage and she was on stage. She says, I'm not on social media. She says, I want to enjoy my life, not show off my life. And, and yeah. you know, just being on the beach in the Bahamas, the number of certainly these, these the younger generation where you just sit there and you watch and they're just finding the perfect angle to take a selfie. And, and, and <laughs> I'm watching... I'm like, how long does it take? Like you've been spending an hour taking pictures of yourself, right? I mean, you're, you're not even, you're in, you're in the Bahamas. You're not, you're not even here right now. You're in, you're in TikTok land or whatever the hell you're at. So anyway, that's, that's going on a tangent, but that's, that's, um, you no, know, it's, it, it's all about how do we bring, be present. Well, like what's interesting, something you said is, is how do I avoid wasting time? And I think a lot of people are confused as to what, what is wasting their time or what choices are actually a waste of time because they just don't understand what their life is about and the impact that they truly want to make. Most people, right. most people, the vast majority are the people that are doing the selfies and they're so self-involved that yeah. they don't understand, couldn't understand the present moment if it landed on their face, you know what I mean? And it, or if it were like lips to lips, if it were like that close. They just, yeah. they just wouldn't, they couldn't understand it because the present moment is too quiet. It's too, um, it's too simple. It's not busy enough. It's not like I had a conversation with someone this morning and I said, look, one of the biggest things that I, I used to tell my teams in real estate and I tell my teams now is like movement, it does not equal achievement just because you're busy to satisfy yeah. some like insecurity in you that not being busy makes you a loser or you'll never be successful like that. I've never been slower in my um, yeah. approach today and I've never been more successful and I've also never been happier. Like yeah. that's the coolest part. And I wonder like, how do people avoid wasting time? I think the first thing you got to do is you got to find out what about the time you're spending on the st stuff you're spending yeah. time on? What of that stuff doesn't serve you anymore? doesn't work for you anymore. And then how do you know what moves to make? So, I mean, look, why, why do you go after self storage versus, you know, following the, the big trend, which is like multifamily and join that whole crazy world. And by the way, how many people get into this, this, um, this investing world, commercial investing world and, they're not meant to be in it. 
they're in it because it's popular or because they think they can make a bunch yeah. of money easy or they think like it's dangerous, dude. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous. And you're, you're in many cases, you're not just risking other people's money. You know, we're in a, we're in a, uh, a stage of the economic cycle where anybody in real estate can make money. Right. I mean, it's, it's where nothing is normal about the market. So when everybody's watching a TV show on fix and flipping and whatever, um, it's not difficult, but it's 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 also not difficult to lose a bunch of money. Um, you, you mentioned the uh, people not even realizing that they're they're so far removed from the present moment. I think of and I try to always study it both um, logically, spiritually, and 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 also uh, uh, scientifically. And when you when you study it from a scientific standpoint and you study your study human behavior in in most case well in all cases it's it's what's triggered you know what what um you know chemicals you know uh, uh, neurological chemicals are being released when you're doing something right so when you're playing the bubble game right and even when you're scrolling online, it's intended to give you that dopamine kick, right? And people, sure. whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's whatever, that feel good um, chemical is is present, right? So, so it's it's more about how do you build habits, patterns, behaviors that are actually good for you, right? And and it's exercise is an easy one, right? When people, you, you start exercising, you're releasing all the right chemicals, everything is, um, you know, you're feeling good and that kind of thing. When you're doing, when you're involved in, in negative habits and you're releasing the, the, the same, you're getting your dopamine kicks from doing bad shit, that's when you're, you're dying. So you're either living or you're dying. And the, the objective is to, be in a state of bliss and joy in the present moment. And unless you've actually had that experience, like whether it was through meditation, when you're your mind is completely still and you're in the present moment and you actually are recognizing every one of your senses, that's yeah. when you realize, holy shit, this is the right state. Like when you're drinking and, and whatever, and I, you know, I haven't drank now in a long time, but when you're, when you're drinking, the reason why things are funny and great is because you basically just altered your, your brain and you've filled your blood and your mind up with, you know, just releasing just those specific chemicals. Right. And, and when you, um, you know, the hangover sucks, but that's what you're doing. Same thing with, yeah. with drugs. And so just think about the objective is to get in that state of joy and that bliss and, and, and removing your own barriers without doing that. So I, I like to look at my daughter and like I said, she's five. And if you study and you like just sit back and watch the natural state of children, just yeah. laughing, carry on. That is the natural state that we're supposed to live in. Right. We That's actually, funny. as a society, we take that away. Right. It's yeah. that crazy. Like yeah. we, as we get older, we get removed from that. There's always a kid. We were talking about this earlier. There's a kid in all of us. Right. And so how do I yeah. try and become more of a kid? How do I have fun? How do I enjoy it? And, and it's just, Dude, it's I'll a struggle right now. I meet so many guys. You're a little bit older than I am, but I meet so many guys that don't know how to have fun. And, and I want to go back to something you said, like you said, like doing the wrong shit or doing, um, like bad shit. 
in like the last thing you talked about. And I want to get clarity on that because a lot of people think that they're doing the right stuff, yet their habit becomes chasing the next deal because the dopamine kick, the bell ring is on the next deal. Not on the, like, I talk about this shit all the time lately, not on any other success measurements. People right. think money is my success measurement. If I'm making big money, I'm successful. Yet, how many right. guys do we know, like in our circles, that are multimillionaires yeah. who are divorced, mm -hmm. miserable, yeah. not great parents, uh, running shit businesses yeah. for the wrong reasons just to collect dollars, yeah. and their entire dopamine receptors are keyed in on next deal, next deal, next deal. Like yeah. that's not present one, two. That's I think extremely dangerous. Is that what you're talking about in terms of like wrong or the yeah? Bad shit no, absolutely. So. Okay. It's it's about it's about living a balanced life and an intentional, right? So so I forgot what book I read it and it's not mine, but it's about the five F's, right? It's it's um, fitness, faith, finances, family, and friends. And and the 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 finances is not number four. So you look at those those are the pillars of life, and the objective is to be balanced across those at a high level. And that's where you are truly can be really helpful, really ha healthy and happy. And if you're not, if you make a bunch of money and you're really good at business, but your health sucks, guess what? You're going to croak and you know, you have a heart attack and you're going to die. If you're extremely healthy, but pay zero attention to your fitness uh, or, or your finances, Again, you're going to have some issues. Faith can mean it doesn't mean that you have to go to church every week, but you have to have faith in and and you have to have you got to cultivate and have your beliefs. So to me, it's looking at where do I where am I at right now, and and if it, what's out of balance or what's at the lowest level, and how do I increase that? Because most people are obsessed with money and business because that's an easy driver. Society forces us to, to be yep. flashy, to make more money and whatever. You're not going to, there's never going to be a TikTok challenge on who can express the, have the most faith in something, right? You're not going to see that, right? You're not going to see <laughs> right. challenges of, um, you know, uh, who's got the healthiest family. Like people like to project that and, and, pretend that, right? They take this beautiful picture on a beach, everybody's smiling behind closed doors, they're miserable, everybody's yelling, yeah. they're fighting yeah. and whatever. So so you have to really work on a balance and and being self-aware of what level you're operating and how intentional you are on all those pillars. And it's natural, it doesn't mean you have to spend an equal number of hours on each, but when, you know, somebody asked me one time is, um, you know, how, how do you, uh, you know, what percentage do you give to, you know, those different topics? And I say hundred percent to everything yeah. I do. It yeah. doesn't mean there's 24 hours a day. So when I'm sleeping, I'm giving my focus to sleep. I work on how do I make sure that I get a really good night's sleep when I'm, when I'm in the gym, right? I never, I tell people, I never met somebody in the gym, right? Reason why is because I'm not there to meet people, right? I'm there to I mean, get a workout yeah. in. I hate that, man. Do, do what I have to do and I'm gone, right? Yeah. Same thing when it comes to, you know, you, yeah, right. That's not, that's not what I'm there for, right? I'm, I'm not there for, I'm, I'm, I'm zoned into what I need to do. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's my, my thoughts on that is just, just being balanced across life. And yeah. if you're intentional in every aspect of it, 
everything starts to balance out. I tell people all the time, I say, look, if, if I, do I want Bill Gates's wealth? Maybe, maybe not, but if, do I want his relationship? Hell no. I mean, he just got divorced, right? And, and when you got that kind of wealth and you can't maintain a re- marriage, you're obviously, that's probably not the person you want to emulate from a relationship yeah. standpoint, right? I mean, yeah, so- the, the interesting piece is we, we talk about, a lot about modeling where a lot of the guys in our group and women will say like, we'll say who are the people you model after? And they'll say these people. And I'll say, you know, what's interesting is why do you model after them? Let's find that out. And they'll, most of them will say, because they, they see success. They see that they have big portfolios or a lot of money or a yacht or this big family or this big house in the Rockies that they go to for Christmas or whatever. Yet, I'll say to them, you know, what's interesting. My definition of modeling is not what someone has. It's who they are. And so a lot of those people that you model after who have certain things, you wouldn't model after who they are. And I, I, I really share your sentiment and I want the audience to know, like, do not model after someone who has a lot of money. Model yeah. after somebody who has um, incredible communication with their spouse. You're right. We're never yeah. going to see a TikTok challenge or a YouTube channel that's like, Here's the winner of the person yeah. that communicates the most effectively with their spouse. And they talk about money and sex yeah. openly and, and they don't, you know, they don't have arguments. They just, they're able to speak freely and their children or whatever. That that's, that was, yeah, I, I would say, model yeah, no. And, and what I like to think is I like to study, um, some aspects of, of who you model for different reasons are difficult because like, take, for example, um, when it comes to, you know, business and investing, I might model what I do from an investment standpoint uh, after a guy like Warren Buffett, right? Okay. We know he's a, a very successful investor, right? When it comes to, when it comes to um, faith, it might be the Dalai Lama. It might be somebody really close to you, your, your priest or whatever. It's picking the the models specific to the pillars that you want to model, not their entire life, because you can't know their entire life. Like I could tell you, I don't want to model Bill Gates's personal relationship because out in the public, it's failed. Right. So, so to me, like, you know, somebody, when it comes to like philosophy and, and physical fitness would be a guy like Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee is somebody that I've studied a lot of, um, when it comes to dedication and commitment and 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 success and grit, it's going to be and achieving is and you know winning on the field is a guy like Tom Brady, right? You can't deny yeah. what you see in front of your face. The more difficult parts are family and friends. Like generally speaking, when it comes to friends, you probably have those those one or two in your life that everybody loves. Nobody has anything negative to say, so it's okay to not. to emulate or to model what people are doing that are even close to you that are, are really strong in a particular area. It doesn't mean that you have to, they all have to have, you know, written a book and and be whatever, because there's a lot of phonies that have done that as well. So to me, it's about modeling specific parts of my life after the, 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 the people that I know that not just have achieved a certain level in that particular area, but also teach it and share it. And then you just kind of pick those pieces that, that resonate. Yeah. And that's what I model myself off of. 
Yeah, I love it. Let me ask you a question before I get to like what our our final is going to be. How, how did you how did you get rolling with this type of mentality and this type of of understanding of yourself? Like, how did you how did you get started doing that? Because I think a lot of people are going to yeah. listen and go. It's like it's like um, you know, like at the events in the group that we're in. When, when Jeff Hoffman's up on stage and you're talking from a billionaire level and Jeff Hoffman's, Hoffman's worth $4 billion and, and, you're, and you're sitting on a net worth of a million dollars, that's a long way to go. His information is so distilled and it's so refined that the average guy is not taking that much from a Jeff Hoffman speaking. I think it's more like, hey, look at us. We got Jeff Hoffman. I don't know how yeah. how how much uh, impact it actually has, except to know that it can be done. So a guy like you, who's got who's got refinement and distillation on all the information that you've yeah. taken in and and figured out to create who you are, how does somebody even get started doing this? Yeah, and I think well for me, how I became on the quest to to understand and learn me um, actually started when I was in my. Um, my mid twenties, uh, I went through a phase where I had an anxiety disorder. Um, it wasn't, it was, it was probably for about a year or so. And I didn't know what it was. And yeah. this was where, you know, I was getting panic attacks and whatnot. And it's kind of like, you know, that, that forced me, I was going back and forth to doctors and they were doing all kinds of blood work and everything. And, and I thought that I was dying. I didn't know what the hell a panic attack was. I didn't know what anxiety was. Uh, I eventually came to find out that it was what, you know, my father had an anxiety disorder and, and panic disorder and bipolar and all that. And it wasn't until after I went through all these tests and all these different things that I ended up in a psychologist office. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, I'm dying over here. I, I always laugh, like relating to the movie, analyze this when, you know, De Niro's having yeah. these panic attacks and goes to the doctor. He's like, what are you talking panic? I've had like five heart attacks this week. Right. And right. if anybody that's, that's, that's had a panic attack can relate to that. Right. And so, yeah. so I got yeah. scared to the point where when I, when, when it was revealed to me, the power of the mind and, and how your body can manifest itself, you can manifest disease, you can manifest healing. I became obsessed with it and going back to just started diving into books and reading and what I, what I learned over a long period of time is the one thing to cultivate the most is the power of belief. And when you cultivate belief, then that guy, Jeff Hoffman, is that $4 billion is, is not out of reach, right? Now I'm trying to relate to what good can I create with that $4 billion, not how much shit can I buy. Yeah. And, and that's when I can slowly start to manifest it, right? I'm, I'm already a billionaire in, in my own, um, in my own soul because I've already discovered what it's like to feel that and how I can contribute to greater good. That's something I could believe in. I can't believe that I'm going to go out and buy this big ass yacht and, and, you know, what wearing big ass gold chains that that doesn't resonate with yeah. me. So it's about cultivating that feeling. And once you cultivate that feeling, I mean, it's it's been said by most people that have that elite level wealth is is about believing in yourself and believing in achievement. And so to me, um, it's continuing to cultivate that. And I tell people all the time that, you know, the biggest thing is if you want to lose weight, 
you don't just wake up one day and say, hey, I want to lose weight and just start going to the gym. You need to learn about nutrition. You need to learn how the body works. You need to learn about your metabolism. You need to learn about doing proper exercise. And once you put all that together, now you are armed with the tools that you need to make that transition and transformation. And now you're going to believe that you can do it because you're, you know, what's true, right? You know what it is. I mean, people don't study to me. You have to study anything you want to achieve, right? I tell people all the time, well, do you meditate? Yeah. I downloaded the app. Well, I mean, what kind of nonsense <laughs> is that? Right. I mean, you didn't become a, you don't become a doctor by downloading an app, right? you got to study, you got to work, you got to, right. you know, do whatever. People don't want to put that kind so of it's time no different in. For they, don't want to put, they don't want to put kind of time in. Right. Right. Well, that's why, I mean, we're a society now that everybody wants a pill, right? I mean, that's, that's what yeah. you want. You want a pill, you want a, you want a shot, you want a whatever. And, and, um, you know, that's, that to me, I'm, my, my focus right now is, is being present right now as, as healthy as possible, mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, you know, relationship wise. And as I kind of elevate, my levels of each of those, um, you know, the, those areas of my life, I become more and more satisfied because I increase the level of my relationship with my wife. And I find that that automatically transforms into my relationship with my daughter and vice versa and with money and being responsible. So to me, it's, it's just a continuous improvement. Um, it's being, it's really wanting, what you want and then really studying people. There's so many tools and resources out there uh, that you can apply that there, there's no excuse to not do it. You just got to really want it. For me, that was that scare that I went through with my, that the, the anxiety disorder just put me on a lifelong obsession with how the mind works, how my mind yeah. works, how my emotions are, uh, you know, operating on a regular basis. And that's what I work towards. Do you still have that anxiety disorder? No, not yeah. not not even close. In fact, and, it's, and I it's knew the that opposite. Was the answer. And I, I yeah. asked you that because I knew that was the answer. And I want people who are listening to this who may still be a little bit in the matrix, kind of believing in the Western yeah. medicine philosophy, like, oh, you have an anxiety disorder. I went through that shit too. ADD diagnosis when I was five, anxiety general anxiety disorder, multiple personality disorder, all this bullshit. Like I don't have any of that stuff today. None of that. I don't take any medicines today. I, I, I do, I am super high level of meditation and breath work practices. I do some plant medicine journeys every once in a while. I I do like sound bowl healing and things like, I mean, I live in a great place to be able to do that, but I wanted to, I want you to be real clear on that one because for those people that are facing panic and anxiety right now, it actually goes back to what you were talking about earlier. You are obsessed with the past and the future, and you are letting them create your present. And then subsequently they will create your future. And you're so caught up in the energy of the past and the future that your present is not really your present. It's just a, 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 like this, it it explodes and it becomes an anxious mess. You know what I mean? So like, it doesn't have to be like that. You got to actually understand who you are. You got to eliminate the parts of you that don't serve you anymore. The mindset and the thought processes and behaviors and beliefs, just like you said, the beliefs that don't work anymore. Like if you believe that, uh, 
If you used to believe there's a heaven and a hell and today you do not believe that and you're a straight up atheist, well, guess what? You need to get rid of that thought process. And I'm not saying that anything with religion, I'm just giving an example. If you believe that, or if your parents taught you to believe that rich people were bad or evil because your dad worked for a, a wealthy business guy who was treating all the employees like shit. And today you want to be a multimillionaire and be an entrepreneur. You're going to have to, you're going to have to go back and get rid of, cut the ties to that yep. belief because that belief is still running unconsciously in your brain. It's like a little tape playing. So dude, before we wrap up, you and I could have an ADD conversation for like four hours, I think. <laughs> um, before we wrap up, you and I have something in common, uh, actually two things before we wrap. One is family business. For the last 10 years, Meredith and I, my wife, for those of you that don't know Meredith, my wife and I have worked together in real estate, in our coaching business, on this podcast. And my dad said to me, it is going to grenade your relationship or it will strengthen your relationship like to the nth degree. You will not live in a gray area by being business partners. How do you and Corinne, how did you become business partners? One, and how do you guys work in the personal and professional worlds and how do you separate that stuff? Yeah. So it's interesting because my, my wife and I, we, we come from uh, literally opposite ends of, of the country and, and, uh, not in, in how we were, I wouldn't say how we were raised. I think fundamentally we have the, the, the same core values and, and, and culture and, and that kind of thing. But she grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in, in Philadelphia. And, you know, ultimately when I look at choosing her as, as my partner, it was, I was looking for ultimately a, um, probably more of an intellectual, right? Somebody that can challenge parts of me to be a better person. Um, our, our relationship has matured and evolved. And a lot of it is because we both have a fundamental, um, we're, we're both on a fundamental journey to be the best versions of ourselves. So I work on myself primarily. I don't, I, I find that people that say, hey, my wife, my husband, that they do this, that or drives me nuts and whatever. Generally, they're, they're, it's a reflection of their own insecurity or their own issues. So I focus on myself. I focus on being the best version of myself and being most present with her. When it comes to, when it comes to business and, and interesting enough, we're on, we're going to, this is our 10th year of working together as well. It's, it's, yeah, it's really about what are we, best at, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a tech guy. I'm analytical. She's, you know, she's arts and, and she's got more of an abstract, but she's certainly a lot more polished. Anybody that's, that's heard her speak. I mean, I could be all over the place. She, she can understand me. And then we're connected yeah. emotionally. We're, we're connected at a, at a much deeper level. So to get to the personal relationship is that, you know, we share our deepest, darkest thoughts together and, and we, we are sharing our life together. So we want to grow. I mean, we certainly want to grow our business and that's been a focus, but we want to grow ourselves. And, and, you know, the area that we've focused the most time is, is helping um, and inspiring each other to be the best versions of ourselves. And, and through doing that, 
we're the best, we're the most present with each other. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't think that there's a um, magic formula other than just being self-aware and, and focusing on how we can treat ourselves the best, the most, and then together we're, we're stronger. Sure. I mean, that, it sounds so cliche. Like we want to help each other be the best versions of us and we support each other to do that. It sounds cliche. It's just, it's not. And I think a lot of people might, myself included, uh, that I talk to, they struggle with their growth and their spouse isn't into it, isn't into the personal development game or the self-reflection game or the, you know, communication, the deep level game, like they are one or at all for that matter. And I used to be afraid that when Meredith wasn't into personal development like me, I used to be afraid that I was going to leave her behind. And did you guys ever get into something like that where you were kind of shooting ahead of her and you were like, yeah, I don't know about like, how are you going to do this? You're, you're not committed to your growth at the level I am. Did you ever have any issues? No, because I, yeah, I, 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 I understand the, um, the idea behind it. Um, we've always been really open and, and we communicate about it. I've, I've never, you know, I, I, I speak my mind. I, I say what I'm thinking for the most part. I mean, there's some times where I got to just kind of uh, uh, ruminate over something and, yeah. and it won't come out. But as long as you're and and I have my own coaching programs as well. And I tell people it's, it's about what you're communicating and understanding that when you're frustrated, you're angry, um, and if you have this idea that I'm growing at a rate you're not, it's usually a, a subconscious insecurity that's yeah. bringing that out. Because yeah. if you truly are growing personally and you're okay with yourself, you're not, you're not, um, you're not projecting different levels on somebody else. Like she's her own person. As long as she's not self-destructive or you know, causing harm to me or, or standing in the way of my growth, then, uh, you know, she's her own person and, and we have that mutual respect and understanding. So that's never been an issue. I think it's really, as long as you're focused on your own personal growth and you're not imposing your growth on someone else, Hey, I'm doing X, Y, Z. I'm really good at X, Y, and Z. You're not right. That's really coming from a place of insecurity. It's not coming from a place of confidence. Right. You don't need the, the calmest people on the planet, the people that are most spiritual and, and calm and present. They're not imposing that on somebody else. Right. You're allowed to be your own person. So that is more of an indication of own insecurities than anything sure. um, for me. And, and it's never been, um, you know, I find the people that 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 struggle with that is they're trying to impose growth and um you know, they're not communicating. If you're communicating and you're sharing what you're aspiring to be or do, and then the change itself, when somebody can see the change in you, yeah. that becomes contagious, right? They can, they can see you're actually making a change. So, you know, you can't, like when it comes to kids, kids learn, most people don't realize that kids learn more from what they're seeing than what you're saying. Totally. Well, my kids don't listen. Well, because they're learning from your behavior, right. not learning from what you're saying. Right. Right. So it's just Captain Obvious, but they're not. <laughs> it's obvious. not obvious to a lot of people, though, dude. It's not. No. It's not. I, I had a friend. He doesn't listen to the podcast, so he's not going to hear this. He might. He might listen to this episode. <laughs> he said to me, uh, my, my kids are bratty. And I said, it's because you're a brat. And he goes, no, nah, dude, I'm right. telling you, my kids, like, I buy them these iPads. And they're always on the iPads and they don't listen to me. 
I, so I took their iPads and I threw them away. And I'm like, one, you're an idiot because you just wasted a thousand bucks. And two, right. have you ever seen those videos online where the, where the like redneck parent goes out and shotgun, you know, takes a shotgun and shoots a kid's Xbox and you're like, right. and there's a bunch of other hillbilly parents and just total trash yep. that are like supporting the parent. Like, yeah, fucking get their mind out of that. And I'm like, what an asshole. That kid's only outlet because you don't talk to them was that game. And you just, you just destroyed that kid thinking that it was the kid's fault. Meanwhile, it's your fault because you're, you're just a, a, like a subhuman that cannot understand how to communicate with your child or how to support your child or whatever. And that, that shit, that shit kind of grinds my gears a little bit. Um, before we wrap, you got, you got like five minutes. Yep. Yeah, actually, I got. Okay. I'm doing a webinar on investment that we're offering in in that seven o'clock. So I'm I'm cool. Nice. Okay. So now that we know the man behind the company, why don't you tell us a little bit about Hearthfire and why self storage? So I'll be honest with you, I used to be the kind of bandwagon guy in multifamily, and every time I'd invest, I'm like, I'm so bored with this shit. And and guys, no offense to you right. if you love multifamily, it bores the hell out of me. Think just drop it. All right. Get over it. It bores me. I like short-term rentals. I love Turo cars. I love cool investments that are like fast moving and that I can do something with. And I don't have to wait like 10 years. That's just me. So when I started seeing your stuff in terms of self-storage, I was like, Oh, that's cool. That's really interesting. No tenant. The tenant doesn't talk, doesn't need heat or air conditioning, doesn't need plumbing, doesn't need an alarm system for trash. Yeah. No toilets, tenants, or trash. Right, right. So so tell the audience about Hearthfire, because I, I love the company you've built and what you guys stand yeah. for. And then like why self-storage? What's so great about it? Yeah. So Hearthfire Holdings, that is the company my wife and I started um, 10 years ago. It started with just wanting to diversify our personal investments, uh, buying small multifamily. Uh, started with a single triplex. Uh, we eventually realized that we loved real estate instead of Wall Street and, and, you know, and, and investing in, I mean, we just needed to invest, right? Most people live paycheck to paycheck. We knew that there was a different way of, of investing other than 401k and IRA. So what we quickly realized was we had access to more deals than we had capital. We started syndicating. Um, so from 2014 or so we syndicated, um, a good handful of properties, uh, eventually, the real estate and the business. And, and because my background was tech, I, I stood up the infrastructure for us to have management company. We had the uh, property management and we had this, uh, the multifamily syndication. Eventually it got to the point where we grew that to where my wife and I both couldn't maintain a full-time day job. We were both working for the federal reserve. So she quit in 2016 to run the business um, full time. And, and, you know, I was still very much involved when our daughter came around in 2017, we realized that we're now pushing the envelope here. Things were growing. Um, I became an executive at the fed. I was miserable because my life was nothing but meetings yeah. and, and travel. And we were starting a family and I didn't want that. So in 2017 or around 2018 was when we were looking to get into larger multifamily properties and, and I did all my underwriting and I couldn't find a deal that made sense. Right. I mean, all the prices were inflated, um, not even as crazy as they are now. Yeah. And I just couldn't make any deal work. And in hindsight, it was probably because I was really conservative in my underwriting. But 
we knew that, you know, just from my exposure to the economy, that an economic downturn was coming. And so I said, all right, well, if we can't make multifamily, large multifamily deals work, maybe there's another asset class we should take a look at. And so I started to, you know, diving in, learning, buying a bunch of books. And, and what I landed on was self-storage. And when I looked at self-storage, I said, all right, self-storage during the Great Recession, 2007, 2009, did really well. In fact, it was the only asset class in real estate that showed a positive return. So I said, all right, well, we're on to something. So as I looked into it, we learned that self-storage performs well in, in up and down markets when you know, when it comes to a down market, there's the four Ds, uh, downsizing, divorce, dislocation, and death, right? Those are the four things, life, things that happen in people's lives. It's unfortunate, but it creates a need for self-storage. When somebody's life is expanding, they're buying more shit, they're buying more stuff, they need self-storage. So it served a purpose in both stages of, of, of the economy. So, so we pivoted to self-storage and once we did, and we realized that it was more of a business than it was real estate. Uh, there's a technology component. We're highly integrated with all of the, the, the tech stack that we've built in to automate the heck out of it. Um, you know, we've been in love ever since, uh, hfirecapital.com, or you can go to investwithsergio.com you can learn more about you know what we do, um, how we do it, but um, that's that's pretty much what it is. And and COVID really taught us that we really made the right choice dealing with the uh, landlord tenant challenges that we're dealing because we still have a property management company. You know we're dealing with tenants that just decided they don't want to pay yeah. rent, and you know in, in self storage. They're not they're they're month to month leases. They they don't live there. So we're insula we're it's a it's a lien law. It's not a landlord tenant contract yeah. um, where I can't evict, right? In fact, we were essential business. So we were able to keep running and humming along during COVID. So we've doubled down. Uh, we still love the asset class. Uh, over 60% of self-storage facilities nationally are owned by mom and pop owners, individuals that own uh, less than a handful of facilities, uh, whereas multifamily is very institutional dominated, yeah. uh, smaller facilities. It's very overcrowded. Uh, everybody thinks that they can renovate kitchens and baths and drive up rents everywhere. <laughs> it's easier said than done. Uh, so that's that's it in a nutshell, man. We love, love self-storage. Um, it's still performing very well. Um you know, and, and we love it for where we're at in the market right now. The uncertainty is uh, bodes well for where we're at. Yeah. Do you, um, well, look, I, for anybody that is interested, like this is not a pitch on Sergio's business. I just like Sergio's business and I want him to tell you about it. This was about Sergio, the man and what he's been able to achieve in himself and subsequently his business. Um, I really enjoy your newsletters. I love you. I love reading your newsletters. I really do. Like when I see, uh, like, I think it says Corinne, I think they say Corinne or they say Hearthfire and then, and then it's something like, I always, I always will click on it. Cause I'm like, you know what? That's not something I'm bored with. I, I'm right. bored with fix and flip. I'm bored with, um, and look, I say yeah. that, I say that without deals in my pipeline. Cause I don't, I don't do that stuff anymore. Meredith and I did a lot of fix and flips. We did a lot of renovations, a lot of fresh builds, uh, some, you know, multifamily stuff. And in all honesty, it just wasn't where we wanted to be. And that's yeah. okay. There's nothing wrong with it. We made some money. We lost some money. We learned a shit ton and that's it. Uh, I just really yeah. like the way that you guys package things. I like the way you tell 
you know, things in your, or like educate in your newsletter. So I would encourage everybody hfirecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. It's really good just to learn about another asset class that, um, like 2021 and 2022, Meredith and I are 100% committed to capital going to our growing businesses, our growing brands, um, and us, like investing in us, our health, our fitness, nutrition, and education of us and our children. That's what we invest yep. in. Now, from, from there, you've got obviously the next stack, which is investing in, um, you know, future assets or capital producing assets or whatever it might be. When we do get back on in 2023, like we will be investing with you because I just like how you run your business. I like who you are. We talked about modeling earlier. I don't want to be with, I, I, I've been with people that have fucked me over. I mean, Meredith and I lost a couple, like a million plus in 2019 with a bad partnership. And, um, and you got to be really selective as who you trust to be a steward of your money. Don't go with the person that's got the best record of ROI and IRR. Go with the person right. that runs the thing and look at who they are and then look at their job performance. Because if they're a shit yeah. human being, somewhere in the line, something's going to go down. It just is. Yeah, no, it's interesting that our team is built. I mean, that's that's the one thing that when when we decided we were going to grow and expand um, our business, we realized, you know, it was how, what partners to bring in and, and culture and core values yeah. is the most critical. And so when, you know, when you talk about just what you were just saying, when it comes down to evaluating who to invest with in the sponsor, um, you know, Mark, Mark McGuire, who's, yep. you know, one of my right hand man on my right hand man on the, on the team, he's, you know, he said, sometimes you just got to bet on the jockey, right? right? And you learn the individual, learn what they stand for, and then it makes it much easier to make them a steward of your of your money. And you know that if they've got the 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 grit and determination and your best interests in mind, then it makes it that much easier. And so you're really betting on me as an individual and knowing that the team behind me is same type of character individual um, multiplied. Totally. Just make it that much easier. I mean, I always say I'll lose my money before investors' money any any day of the week, and I have yeah. um, not in investment deals, but just making a silly mistake here or there. Um, happens, you know. Invest, it, it, yeah, that's 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 uh, yeah, it does happen. But I mean, we've generated a lot of money for our investors. Um, never had anybody drop out. Uh, we've had you know a couple people they just took their profits and wanted to do something else. Yeah, you know, whatever. No, I love it, man. Too. We we could sit and chat for fucking yeah. hours, man. I I, I really it. appreciate you reaching out. I love that you you have you have flooded us with some massive amounts of value today. And uh, yeah, I hope people I hope people want to listen to a long episode because this is this is a long one. So, dude, thanks for being here and just sharing all the the wisdom that you've that you've acquired over the years. It's really special. Yeah. And it's I'm I'm excited because I'm still learning more and more every day and we get a little little better at this thing called life. And uh, you know, I always tell people and I encourage your your listeners to know that um, there's no such thing as a perfect life, right? And and it's it's just about making sure that every day is, you know, you live to the fullest and and those days that 
are shit, you just put them behind you and you just dust yourself off and, um, you know, keep working hard and contributing to what we're here for, which is to give as far and wide as possible. So I appreciate the time, man. It's always good to talk to you. I love the podcast. Thanks, man. I look forward to having you on mine when I get that thing up and running. Uh, love it. Absolutely. All right, brother. Take care, audience. Thank you for listening. If you need more information, you want to reach out to Sergio H. Fire, H like the letter, firecapital.com and investwithsergio.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for Sergio for being here. And um, thanks for your patience on a very long episode. We, we hope you enjoyed it and we'll catch you on the next one.